Welcome to the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, where it is never too early for fantasy football. My name is Jeff. And I'm Alex. As always, thank you for downloading, listening, liking, and commenting on our podcast videos. Please join our community by subscribing to us on the socials. Our handle on all platforms is at N2E Fantasy. We are also available on all major podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy. Alex, what do we have on today's show? On this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast, we are covering news from the Week 14 games, including injuries, recapping the matchups, and providing insights for you fantasy players. Jeff, we have officially ended regular season for their fantasy teams, and we are going to cover the matchups that decided a lot of these fates for you fantasy owners out here. So we will start with the Week 14 games, and we will start with Thursday night, Patriots at the Steelers. And Jeff... Steelers came out on top on this one, something that I kind of predicted based off of last year's results and where the two teams are. Wasn't exactly predicting Bailey Zappi to light it up, but I I thought it'd be a close game and the Patriots could get the upset, and it turned out true. What did you think of this matchup? So I was really surprised. It was a surprisingly good game by Zappi. He looked really good. Um, Hopefully he can continue it next week. I don't have a lot of faith that that will happen, but we'll see. Elliott looked really good in a spot start. He totaled 140 yards between the ground and the air. So that is something to be on the lookout for. We don't know when Ramondre Stevenson will return to the lineup. So this could be Ezekiel Elliott's job for the foreseeable future. Also, I want to talk a little bit about George Pickens. And I also want to talk a little bit about that last drive by Pittsburgh. I did not love the fourth in one or fourth and two play by Mitchell Trubisky, where he decided to bomb the ball to Deontay Johnson. That is something that Big Ben would do. That's something Big Ben would complete. That's something Big Ben would have done. That is not a forte of Mitchell Trubisky. And that's not something that he should have done in that spot because this game could have looked very differently if they converted that fourth down, which it doesn't seem like they were trying to convert that fourth down. It seems like they were either trying for a touchdown there or end of game. And that doesn't feel right given the way that the score was at the time. And then also Pickens is becoming more and more and more frustrated with the lack of targets that he's getting. He wants to contribute to this team. He does not have a quarterback on the roster that can get him the ball. I would not be shocked in the offseason if Pittsburgh took offers for Pickens because he is becoming a distraction. And sometimes there is addition by subtraction, but if if George Pickens plays with a top 12 quarterback in the league, he could be a steal in next year's fantasy drafts. What did I miss on this matchup? And I'll let you take your victory lap since you're up one to zero for the week so far. Yeah, required a lot of thinking on my part and a lot of research to figure this one out. And I proved correct. Not always going to be the case, but I like to give an a different perspective on some matchups, but Zeke Elliott actually had an admirable game filling in for Ramondre Stevenson, and he's proved that he can be usable for the rest of the season, filling in for Ramondre when he's out and maybe even when Ramondre is back. So I think he can help fantasy owners who have hung on to Zeke or picked him up off waiver wires. I think that he is usable going forward. It was a really disappointing week for Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, on the other hand, and I think it's going to be maybe more of the same this coming week, because Mitch Trubisky is probably still starting next week. And I think that fantasy owners are actually looking forward to uh, Kenny Pickett coming back, which is not something that you would think of at this point. But I agree that there's discord on the receiver for the receiver group for Pittsburgh because Deontay Johnson is frustrated. George Pickens is frustrated. Pat Fryermuth didn't have the week that we wanted him to have, and he had seven targets. So Trubisky is not able to get the ball in a catchable position for his receiving group, and that's going to be a struggle for Pittsburgh this coming week. So I think that they could be on the outside looking in for playoff time, and I think that that could lead to some difficult decisions for this ownership group. Maybe the Roonies might move in a different direction for their head coaching job. So maybe Tomlin's time has come. We will see, but the Pats aren't going to be a playoff team this year, and They're fighting for pride, and I think that the Steelers might be not making the playoffs. So the Steelers have a history of hanging on to coaches too long and having loyalty that lasts a little bit too long. So I do expect them to hang on to Tomlin and Pickett longer than they have to. Like They're going to ship off pick-ins before they would ship off Pickett. They're both still on their rookie deals, so it's going to be harder for them to move on from them financially because why would you get rid of someone on those cheap deals? 
I think they're more likely to move on from Deontay Johnson. If they can move on from him to do a post-June cut or trade, they only leave behind 5.8 million dead cap, but they would clear up a bunch of money. So they might move on from Deontay instead would be my guess. Yeah, absolutely. Next matchup is the Panthers at the Saints. We both got this matchup right because we both picked the Saints. What are some of your takeaways from this matchup? You're not going to make me break it down because this is my team. So I'll let you go ahead and break this one down. So the Saints pretty much had control of this all the way through, despite the fact that Derek Carr, again, didn't look very good. Uh, Bryce Young, on the other hand, looked even worse. And this is a team that can't protect their quarterback. They can't get anything really going offensively. The, the Saints didn't really have to do much on the offensive side. Everything came from better field position for the most part. I mean, A.T. Perry ended up leading their receivers in yardage off just one long catch, and that may be something that he may be a deep target going forward, but he's averaging one catch over the last few weeks, and it's usually a deep pass. Uh, Olave had a kind of dismal week, and there's really not much salvageable for this team other than Alvin Kamara a little bit. But the Panthers, Hubbard has been usable over the past several weeks. Miles Sanders had one big run that made him serviceable off just 10 rushes. He had 74 yards, so that was decent, although I doubt anyone started him. And Adam Thielen was, again, the finally returned to the leader of the pack for receiving yards for the Panthers with 74 yards. I think that they, if they're going to continue starting Bryce Young, I think that they need Thielen out there for his development. However... I just don't see how things get better this year, and they have to make a decision whether or not they sit Bryce Young and avoid him getting pummeled each week in meaningless games. So whether they want him to continue to play for development reasons or whether they sit him out to keep him healthy for next year, I mean, that's going to be their decisions going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm all for Andy Dalton starting because they need to win as many games this year as possible to avoid being in the 101. But the Saints aren't really that much better of a place right now because Derek Carr finished with 119 passing yards on the day. That is not great. We've been on Derek Carr all season, so it's isn't like a first crack at him. Um, Sanders was the more effective back, but Hubbard did lead the team in carries. And then we have Adam Thielen, who led the team in catches and yards. But Mingo, as I had as we had stated a few weeks ago, he out-targeted Thielen because they are going to be getting the young wide receivers more involved in this matchup going forward. We can move forward with the Detroit Lions and Chicago Bears matchup. Jeff, you picked this one right. Chicago won 28-13. to 13. So go ahead and take your victory lap, and we'll just say that is Jared Goff falling apart, or is it he just can't play outdoors, or is Chicago better than people gave them credit for? Are they rallying at the end of the year? What do you think is happening with these two teams? Oh, boy. So I think now is the time to panic on Jared Goff. This was a game that I actually got correct, and you had went with your heart and your wallet in the Lions. <laughs> Foreman led the backfield. That was one thing that I did go into saying last week, is that Foreman was leading the backfield prior to his injury. I did expect him to lead the backfield when he got back out of injury, and then it was Herbert and then Johnson in the victory. So that is something to keep an eye on going forward, but I do expect that that's how the backfield will shake out going forward because it is a working formula. Also, an interesting tidbit is that Gibbs outcarried Montgomery, even though they ended up with the same yard total. So that is it does seem like there's a tipping point there, and it could have been the coming from behind and just trying to play catch-up. I think that uh, Chicago's defense is getting better and Detroit's defense is getting worse. Jerry Goff has struggled the last several weeks. This was his last outdoor game until playoffs, so I expect him to bounce back. But I think Jameer Gibbs is going to be more involved, but they're trying to keep it as close to 50-50 as possible. They both had almost identical touches. So Gibbs had 11 rushes, Montgomery had 10 rushes, but they both had three catches. So I expect that split to be about the same going forward. And as far as Chicago, like you said, four men came back as the lead rusher. Part of that was, you know, they had the lead. Herbert, however, had three rushes, but looked very inefficient. And Roshan had just one rush, but it was a six-yarder. So I don't know if Roshan's going to beat out Khalil Herbert as the backup, but I think there's going to be a shakeup there coming soon. Justin Fields led the team in rushes, however, and they certainly involved DJ Moore uh, more creatively 
And DJ Moore and Cole Komet seem like they're the two leaders when it comes to uh, receiving for the Chicago Bears. We had a lot of downside because of the struggles of Jared Goff for the Detroit pass catchers. I expect that to bounce back, and I think Detroit will be okay. But if they're struggling like this against the Chicago Bears, they're struggling like this in cold weather and outdoors, they're going to have a hard time winning games in playoffs. So that's what I worry about most. I think for fantasy purposes, Goff will still be an okay starter, top of the line for QB2, bottom QB1 for the rest of the year. Gotcha. All right. So you're not going to ride him to another championship? Is that what you're saying? Well, it's between him and Tua. We'll see which one disappoints more. That's how I'm going to have to figure it out. But we can move on to my ultimate disappointing matchup of the week, and that was the Texans at the Jets. And man, do the Texans keep getting hit with injury bugs at the worst possible times. So without Dalton Schultz and without Tank Dell, they lost Nico Collins early on in this game. Uh, it was torrential rains against a good Jets defense who all of a sudden they decided to show up on offense. I don't know if it's the Texans falling apart or Zach Wilson just playing out of his mind, but the Texans ended up losing. We both picked the Texans. They lost to the Jets, and that really puts the strain on the Texans potentially making the playoffs. I think that they're on the borderline, and it's going to be tough for them moving forward, but disappointing for Texans all around. I don't know if Zach Wilson is going to continue on with this success but i think he's trying to prove something because he wants to move on from the jets uh next year and i don't think the texans have figured out their run game at all so i don't know how that's going to play out especially if they have to start davis mills next week if stroud is still in concussion protocol after getting that late hit jeff how did you feel about this matchup what did i miss here so (laughs) how do you so how did you feel about this matchup oh i hated it i hated it yeah, I I mean, this the losses that you've had this year to the Panthers and now the Jets. I just feel like that stings and leaves a very bitter and sour taste in one's mouth. You looked you made Zach Wilson look like Zach Mahomes out there. Stroud had his worst day as a starter. I don't even think he crossed 100 yards in his 3 quarters of play. Singletary has clear control of the backfield right now. Um, I don't know if that'll be the case going forward, but it does seem like he is the guy for right now. And Pierce should be a guy that they figure to get into the lineup more often. I know you completely agree with me on that front. Brees, Hall, and Garrett Wilson do make their day, but it's both of them make it through the air. So even Brees Hall didn't really get a lot done on the ground. But if Zach Wilson can play like this, like I don't know why he can't put it together on a week-to-week basis. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he has the talent. He, like Stroud, was taken second overall in his draft, so he has the talent to do it. He has the weapons to do it. I think it was just a confidence thing, so I don't know what, what's clicked. I don't know if he's just ticked off because he's been harassed by the media and by fans, and he just played angry. I don't know specifically what it is, but with Aaron Rodgers coming back next year, I can see Zach Wilson requesting out in this uh, upcoming offseason. All right. So we can move on to our next matchup because I don't really want to dwell on this matchup for too long. We can move on to the Colts at the Bengals. This is a matchup where Alex got right, pick Bengals. I got wrong, pick Colts. Alex, I'll let you go ahead and by start breaking down this matchup by another excellent performance by Browning. Yeah, uh, not quite as good as the previous week, but still very good just considering. And I, I think that it's encouraging that he's gotten more players involved. I think Joe Mixon being more involved on the passing game is encouraging for the rest of the year. Although Chase Brown did have some interesting usage this week, which I don't think anyone was expecting. This is a down week for Jamar Chase. That might have been coverage-wise. So I don't expect that to be the same every week. But for me, it's Gardner Minshew kind of disappointed. And I don't know if it's the Bengals' defense because... I've said it several times this year. They have pieces to be a very good defense, but they're wildly inconsistent. So maybe the the defense decided to show up for this one. But I never really felt, even though the Colts have a winning record so far, I've never felt like they were a real playoff team. And this week kind of showed why. Because on paper, you would think that they would beat the Bengals without Joe Burrow, but they weren't able to do it. And I think that they're going to struggle going forward. But I, I like to see Michael Pittman get double-digit targets every single week. I think that's good for fantasy owners, and I think that he's going to be a top-tier wide receiver, too, for everybody going forward. But Josh Downs 
they're not using him. Zach Moss wasn't able to get much going on the ground. Might be concerning that people might be stacking the box and forcing Gardner Minshew to try to carry the load himself, which I don't think that he is in the best position to carry a team. I think that when they have a balanced approach, he's very good as a game manager. But when it's one-sided like that, I don't think that he's the guy to win in that kind of situation. doesn't help that early on they had a, a missed field goal from Matt Gay. He got negative fantasy points for any owner who started him this this week. So that I, I sympathize with all of you. I had him in one, one league, so I, I get that. But don't want to see it. I'm glad I got this one right. But... I don't like either one of these teams to make the playoffs. Uh oh, spoiler alert for another podcast. I just I, I don't understand how we went so low with Michael Pittman. I guess it's because we thought that Anthony Richardson would be the ball would be the person throwing to him this year. But uh it's very clear that Moss is not an NFL starting running back at this point. And they do need Jonathan Taylor back because I think the team is a lot different with Jonathan Taylor in the lineup. I don't know how close or how far away that he is from that return. I think we can now move on to matchups where we're in the green. Let's let's go. So we are going to move on to the Jaguars at the Browns and the Browns pull out this victory. But the, we're burying the lead on this one. We both picked the Browns, but we both thought Trevor Lawrence was not going to play in this game. And if he did, it would not be at 100%. So either one of those two scenarios is what we thought. Lawrence looked pretty darn good out there uh, against probably one of the league's top six defenses in the league the Jags defense made Flacco look much younger than he was at 38 right now so that's back-to-back weeks of the Jags defense has put up not great performances I think Ninjoku with Flacco might be a must start moving forward also it seems that Amari Cooper is back he had he had double digit targets and it does seem like Flacco is going to be throwing the ball more than we ever thought this Browns offense could throw the ball also, in the tight end position, it does seem like Evan Ingram has become the beneficiary from the loss of Christian Kirk, who was placed on IR and will miss the last four games of the fantasy year. So Evan Ingram owners get a little bit of a bump there that they weren't expecting. Anything I missed on that matchup? I kind of disagree on the Trevor Lawrence standpoint. He threw the ball 50 times, completed 28 passes. He had three touchdowns, but he also had three interceptions. I thought... He was pretty sloppy, but I think that's to be expected because he's playing injured. I, I think it was, it's concerning that he peppered several of his players with multiple targets. So he targeted Ingram 12 times, targeted Ridley 13 times, and Zay Jones 14 times. And Ridley only caught four of his. Zay Jones only caught five of his. So he was wildly off. I think he was kind of running for his life, and he didn't look good to me. ETN disappeared in this kind of game script, which... For me, I think that would be concerning because I would think he'd be more involved in the pass game, which when he was drafted, that was one of the things people thought would be one of his skill sets would be the passing down back. So I would expect ETN to have gotten the ball a little bit more. As far as the Browns go, I think Joe Flacco, I've said this before, Joe Flacco is the type of quarterback that would most thrive in this system. And I don't know why that they have the other quarterbacks they have because none of them fit the mold of your typical tall strong-armed pocket passer that can make good decisions with the ball. Deshaun Watson's not that. He is a creator. He is a mobile creator, and that doesn't fit the system. It's the same thing with DTR. And why P.J. Walker was on anyone's team, I don't know. He's not very good. So Joe Flacco is immediately the best quarterback on this roster, in my opinion. I think they're going to roll with him, and he makes them a legitimate playoff contender. I don't think that they'll uh, unseat the Ravens or anything like that, but it makes them a a dangerous team going into the playoffs, even without a Nick Chubb. As I predicted from last week, I said that Flacco is going to build a better connection with Njoku, and he did that this week. So eight targets, six receptions, 91 yards, and two touchdowns. It seems like he also tried to make it up to Amari Cooper for not getting the ball to him as much last week. So he peppered him with 14 targets. Their connection still isn't great at this point because he only caught half of those. But I expect Flacco to spread the ball out. I expect it to be more of a, an air raid offense. And run game would be secondary because I don't think Ford or Hunt are anywhere close to the caliber that Chubb is. And I don't think either one of them at this stage is a legitimate RB1 either. So it's going to be challenging for them. But I think if Flacco is there on the waiver wire and you lost your quarterback, I think Flacco is a good waiver wire pickup for you guys. Oh boy, we lost some quarterbacks this year. <laughs> Uh, just imagine, imagine telling 
me in August that Joe Flacco was going to be a potential fantasy starter in this league, and I would have fell over right out of my chair. All right, anything else before we hop to the Rams? You you would have believed that. That is correct. So anything else before we hop to Carson Wentz's team and the Rams at the Ravens? No, we can jump straight to that. Oh, right. So game of the week for me. Uh, This game went to overtime, and it was won by a walk-off punt return touchdown. Stafford looks great. Cup looked great. Puka had one of the catches of the year and looked great also. Lamar gets the win with three touchdowns as Keaton Mitchell takes more of the backfield. He actually led the backfield in snaps this week. So this is something that we've been watching out for. I've already extended him in one of my dynasty leagues because I do believe that he is going to be the back to own entering the 2024 season. There's nothing more in this game here that I've learned that Rams are contenders right now. And Kyron Williams is a bell cow in this league. Yeah, uh, I think that Kyron Williams looks like he might be the real deal. Matthew Stafford had a really good game against tough defense. Lamar Jackson outdueled him in this one, partly through the ground, because he did have 11 rushes himself for 70 yards. But like you said, Keaton Mitchell is finally taking over. I thought that Zay Flowers was clutch at the end of the game to to get the go-ahead score. And I, I think that... Odell Beckham and Isaiah Likely are taking over as, as other options on in the passing game. So for me, the Ravens offense is continuing to build up. And I think that they have their best starting lineup figured out going into the, the last part of the season. So I would fire up all of those options going into next week. And we can talk about that in the next episode. Stafford, I, I think that this game, they really had a, a chance. And I think that I don't know why he was passing so much to Demarcus Robinson. I don't know why Demarcus Robinson gets 10 targets i thought maybe more should go to hookah more should go to cup i thought he had a lot of success with with davis allen and i thought he could have gotten more of those targets so to me i I think that robinson kind of let him down and and the rams could have taken this one away yeah i think this was a game that the rams kind of let slip away we'll see if this comes back and bites them in the playoff race that we will cover in our next episode of the podcast Okay, well, let's move on then to the Buccaneers at the Falcons. We both picked the Buccaneers for this one, and they pulled off the victory. Jeff, what were your takeaways for your uh, two division rivals there? Man, this matchup kind of decided how the division is right now. And I think it's a three-way tie, if I'm not mistaken, at the top of the division. But Ritter had a really good game as a pro probably his first great game as a pro, like as far as passing goes. And a lot of it's because he passed to Drake London, even if Drake London was covered. And there was a few plays that he probably shouldn't have thrown to Drake London, but Drake London kind of was like uh, stretch Armstrong and just reaching over people and grabbing the football away from them and plays that most normal human beings shouldn't make just because he got a good result. Doesn't make it a good pass, but can Ritter keep getting him the ball? He did get 172 yards this week, which is kind of crazy. So I would love to see him keep it up. And then I know a preseason darling of mine, Rashad White, he continues to tear it up this year, whether it's through the ground or through the air. He just really is having a heck of a year this year in the NFL. Yeah, so far he's had a pretty solid season. And I thought Baker played okay, but not great. I would like him to to throw the ball more to his receivers like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, but they just couldn't get on the same page with them this week. However. Rashad White helped them carry the day, so to speak. And I think that for me, for the Falcons, I think Ritter's starting to turn the corner a little bit. One of the things that he's needed to do is reduce his turnovers. And this week he did. He gave him a position to win. He passed to Drake London. He passed to Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson. I think one thing that they also could have improved on is they could have given the ball to Bijan a little bit more on the ground. And maybe they would have broken through and, and won that game. But Buccaneers take it. And for me, Buccaneers probably leading the pack. Uh, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out either one of these teams or the Saints going forward. Any of those teams can make the playoffs and win the division. For my money, though, the Buccaneers are probably going to take this division. I just don't believe in the Saints. And I don't, I don't believe in Carr. I don't believe in Ritter. So for my money, throwing it at the Buccaneers this year, which is, very surprising given the fact that they went in the Baker Mayfield direction after Tom Brady. And yeah, I just think that that is kind of a, it's, it's, it's pro Baker and I never thought I would be pro Baker. Yeah. He he disappointed you with Carolina, but uh, I think that 
at this point in his career, Buccaneers are one of the better spots for his skill set. He's been shaken up over the past few weeks, so I don't think he's playing at the highest level that he could be, but I, I don't see much of an alternative for them at this point. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to our next matchup. It's the Vikings at the Raiders. I'm going to be really quick on this matchup because this matchup only produced three points. So uh, this is a Greg Joseph portion of the podcast. Dobbs is replaced and O'Connell could be replaced as well by the Raiders. So this is a game here that these two quarterbacks may not come back from now or anytime soon. Um, Josh Jacobs is hurt. It's unclear of the severity. There's been very few details on Josh Jacobs regarding his knee injury. And then Justin Jefferson returned to action this week, took a hit to the chest. He's out right now, but I do expect him to play this week, but something to monitor for fantasy players. And it does seem like Devontae Adams and Hawkinson remain fantasy relevant with the volume of targets that they are getting. So just the sheer volume of targets, if they can convert half or a little more than half of them, then they can at least uh, not kill you in your fantasy lineups. They are both extremely hard players to bench. So I just, I, I don't really know how you would bench them. But uh, what did I miss on this three to zero ballgame? Nick Mullins is going to be taking over for Josh Dobbs. And I don't know if that's really an improvement. Um, I, I think that the quarterback play is probably going to lead to the Vikings not making the playoffs. I still feel like even without Josh Jacobs, I think that the Raiders have a chance to still upset some teams, but uh, they're most likely eliminated from the playoffs. I think they already are with this loss, but not a fun game to watch, which is why I didn't watch it. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next matchup, and that is the Seahawks at the 49ers. It's another one we both picked the 49ers. We both got cor uh, we both got it correct. Jeff, I know that you sorely missed Geno Smith in this one, and you thought that Drew Locke would surely fail like he did. You still stand by that? <laughs> You're putting words in my mouth. I uh, So Geno to Locke showed very little change in production for me. It did not look like a different product on the field. It did not look any different. So that is a little bit telling right now. And they do have some very great weapons. They have three great wide receivers. JSN's not quite great yet, but you get my drift. I do expect him to be great at some point in the future. Debo and Ayuk get 100 yards through the air. CMC gets 100 yards through the ground, who is now over 1,000 yards rushing on the season. He's the only 1,000-yard rusher in the NFL, which the NFL typically produces five, six, seven, eight a season. So we already got one across that finish line. We'll see who else kind of joins him in that matchup. I think Damian Pierce needs to average about 250 yards a week now between now and the end of the season to get to the 1300 yards that you projected him at purdy is an mvp candidate charbonnet outperforms walker on the ground but not through the air which is really confusing because of the roles that both of them should really be cast in so i'll let you take it away because you're a huge seahawks fan but we both did get this pick right with the 49ers even though i ripped on alex last week with uh with uh the seahawks pick I think that Drew Locke is still a downgrade from Geno Smith. He showed a little bit of promise at the beginning of the game, and then he kind of fell apart as the game progressed. It's interesting to me that he had more of a connection with Tyler Lockett than Metcalf, although I think Metcalf is starting to grate on his teammates' nerves because he can be kind of immature. Although he's one of the most talented players at the position in the entire league, he just uh, is very emotional and prone to outbursts, and the, C uh, the 49ers took advantage of that. Um, and got in his head and got him to explode. Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, they both got some run there. Kenneth Walker, he looked injured when he ran, but he had a really nice grab where he rumbled for uh, 26 yards off of that one catch, 27. And I, I think that this is a Seahawks team that's probably going to stumble into the playoffs, but I don't project them to win any any matchup that they get uh assigned in the playoffs. I think they'll probably lose the very first matchup. Uh, but they're a team that potentially could improve next season. 
it, some changes have to be made. Maybe it's quarterback. Maybe it's offensive line. I don't know what it's going to take to get them over that hurdle, but they don't look like a, a real competitor right now. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers look basically good on every single level. I don't think that Brock Purdy is an MVP, in my opinion. I think he's vastly benefits from one of the best offensive coaches in the league, best roster talents in the league. He's got the best running back in Christian McCaffrey. He's got Debo Samuel and IU who get really big plays, yards after the catch. Uh, Kittle, who's one of the top tight ends. So I think he's in the perfect system with the perfect offensive coordinator, with the perfect supporting talent. Um, I, I think that he is the epitome of a young quarterback who is very eager to to learn, to practice, to improve. Um, I think that he does everything that they want right. So he's a perfect system quarterback that I think can break the mold and turn himself into a franchise quarterback. I'm not ready to say that for him yet, but he is on his way to that realm. Jeff, uh, did I miss anything else there? No, I think you've covered everything. And I still reiterate that it's a shock that Walker outperformed Charbonnet through the air because it's not really Walker's forte per se. Big matchups coming up. You can go ahead, man. This You can take your victory lap with this next one. I got one up on Alex on this one where the Buffalo Bills beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The Bills can hang with anyone, but we need to put Stefan Diggs on a milk carton because he has gone missing in the NFL right now. We'll see if he shows back up this season, but it seems like teams have committed to taking him away from the offense, which is opening up opportunities for Shakir and Davis, but they're not great wide receivers, at least not yet. I think Shakir has a chance to be a pretty decent wide receiver in the league. I know it's only year two, and he has taken a major leap this year. James Cook looked good. Very good victory by Alex on that one because he was big on James Cook entering the season. And then we have to follow it up with a CEH fail as a lead back. He he tried to do it one last time. He tried one last shot for you, Alex, and he just could not be the lead back that the Kansas City Chiefs need with Pacheco out. He did not go on IR, but the fact that they discussed IR tells me that he should be out like another week or two. Chiefs still do not look right in this matchup, so it'll be interesting to see if they lose their winnable matchups down the stretch. They'll probably lose one of them that we don't see coming out of in the in the clear picture. Rice and Kelsey are a one-two punch for the Chiefs, so I think it is safe to start Rice going forward in, in lineups. I think that uh, him and Kelsey are going to be the target monsters by Mahomes. And uh, Alex, I'm going to open this up for you here, but this is the Alex officiating segment of the week. What happened on the last drive here? I think they made the right call on that last drive. I, I'm i not a fan of Kadarius Tony. I never thought he was a, an actual good receiver. He's a very athletic player, but he just makes boneheaded mistakes, and he's, he's just not good uh, as a receiver. He lined off well offsides, and they got called for it, on, and they called back one of the best plays anyone's ever seen that would have been a touchdown with Travis Kelsey catching the ball, turning around, throwing the ball to Tony. Tony running around and getting a touchdown, but he was rightfully called offsides in the play. And the Chiefs complained about it. I, I don't feel sorry for them at all. Like that's They employed Kadarius Tony. They have Marquez Valdez-Scanling for basically the same price as DeAndre Hopkins. They have Justin Watson and Richie, Richie James and Sky Moore, who all look like complete busts. I will give you props for Rasheed Rice. He looks like the only wide receiver that's going to be salvageable. To me, I don't know if he's ever going to be a true number one wide receiver, but he is the best that they have right now. And Travis Kelsey is looking old. He's contemplating retirement soon. And I think that the Chiefs are kind of screwed when that happens. And like you said, I think the number one thing besides another receiving option is without Pacheco, I don't think they have any chance of beating another good team. So I don't know how they overcome it because McKinnon looks old. He doesn't look like he can do it anymore. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has never lived up to the round one draft stock. He's just not there. And Mahomes is getting frustrated because he's getting very little help from the rest of his team. The only thing that kept them in this game is their defense playing pretty well against Stephon Diggs, Dalton Kincaid, Dawson Knox, Shakir, Gabe Davis. They pretty much shut those guys down. And all Josh Allen had was his own legs and throwing and handing it off to James Cook. Those are really the only two guys that made a difference for the Bills. 
it is interesting to me, the Bills employed the fifth highest uh, 12 formation on offense, meaning two tight ends. So Knox being back, he and Kincaid are going to be on the field together a lot. And I think that makes both of them potentially viable. But if they have games like this, neither one of them is viable. So it's going to be difficult to get the points from either one of these guys. And for those of you who are high on Kincaid, I don't know if uh, he's going to be a good tight end one for the rest of the year. So that would be concerning. Yeah, I uh, don't love it because it probably takes Shakir off the field more than he should be. And the Bills need to be more high-powered, high-octane offense. I think the offense is better, too, when they use James Cook out of the backfield. Yeah, I just think that the way that they're using James Cook right now, and I think he was the most dynamic player in the first half, but then they forgot to use him in the second half as much. Like There was a great drawn-up play by, uh, I think, Joe Brady is their offensive coordinator now that uh, got James Cook wide open for an early touchdown for Buffalo. So I do think the offensive coordinator change from Dorsey to Brady has been very impactful for the Buffalo Bills because I can tell their offense is clicking on another cylinder. And as I mentioned, they can hang with any team in the league. So if they make the playoffs, they're not going to be easy out for any team. Like they're going to be a team that can hang with anybody. They also are a team that could be flat any week, but they have not been flat since Dorsey left. So I don't know if that's a coincidence yet, but uh, we will see in the upcoming weeks if they have any uh, flat games that the Buffalo Bills are used to. Let's move on to an AFC West matchup. And we had the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers. Jeff, you predicted the Broncos and were correct. They won 24-7 to against the Chargers. And I would like to blame it on Herbert getting hurt and getting knocked out for the rest of the year. But the backup, Easton Stick, came in and looked better than Herbert did throughout this game. So they, they might have done the Chargers a favor and the Chargers still lost. But Quentin Johnston had his best game of the season and finally caught a contested catch. So kudos to him, and kudos for him getting 91 yards off of three receptions. Jeff, what do you? What else do you have to say about this matchup? So I'm really sad about Herbert being out for the rest of the season. He did have surgery on his throwing hand, on a finger on his throwing hand. I think that this is kind of a blessing in disguise that Herbert is out for the rest of the season, because I don't think the Chargers team was going anywhere as is. He's already lost weapons in Williams. Eckler has not looked himself. He did have his best fantasy performance of the season this week, though. So there was that. Johnston, as you had mentioned, outperformed Allen, but Allen is a target monster still. We don't know about Allen's availability this upcoming week. I guess he has a heel injury. Hopefully it heals very quickly. Javante hitting another gear here as the fantasy playoffs hit. And Detroit. Denver is a playoff contender at this exact moment as well, which is really surprising given their start and their 70 to 20 loss to the Dolphins this year. Um, But I think the best thing for Herbert is to be out the season, have Brandon Staley fired, get in, get completely healthy. So now he's going to have 10 months right here, nine months to get completely healthy before, um, before preseason starts. So he should be 100% healthy entering the year, which is going to be great for him because I know that he had that left finger injury that has not healed yet. And now he has the right finger injury. So uh, he's going to have to learn how to get his fingers out of the way when he falls. But uh, the best thing that could happen to him this year is if Brandon Staley gets ousted. I think Kellen Moore has to get ousted too. I've done a complete 180 on Kellen Moore because I don't believe that he was the reason why the Cowboys were so good. So your thoughts on this and Kellen Moore, I guess. So at, at this point, I think that the Chargers run the risk of Staley saying, hey, my quarterback wasn't healthy this year. I lost I lost a, a couple of my weapons for the entire year or most of the year. Uh, it's not my fault. So I think he could potentially keep his job, which would be awful all around. And I think the same argument could be made for Kellen Moore. I think that they looked great at the beginning of the year. And when they lost Mike Williams, their offense started to collapse because they didn't have that deep threat to balance with Keenan Allen and spread spread out the defense. And Eckler has not been as efficient running. So I, I think that you can make an argument that the offensive line and injury bugs across different positions have affected 
everything and maybe Kellen Moore is still an okay coach. I don't think you can make the argument that Staley's a good coach, but for whatever reason, he still has a job. We'll see if that holds true uh, throughout the week because I expect it coming soon, I would hope. But like you said, the Broncos, they are a borderline playoff team and there's different scenarios where they could potentially make it. And we can certainly talk about those next episode because we will break down the updated playoff picture and, and our projected playoff teams updated from the the matchups this past week and we can definitely look at different ways that some of these teams can make it so we'll cover that in the next episode but um, i i think that it's panic in uh in la right now and i think that denver's feeling a lot of optimism with this team maybe maybe they make it this year but next year looks brighter for them as well yeah, and let's not forget, because we want to kind of put a placeholder on the Chargers right now. Let's not forget. Let, let's not let this slip aside. But Keenan Allen right now is the wide receiver three on the season. And this is when everyone said he was done and over with. So he may fall off a cliff to end the year because he may not have the same chemistry with Easton Stick. But he's a guy that might be underdrafted next year again because people forget how good he was to start the year and how good he was this entire fantasy season. Yeah, and I, I think he's also going to benefit from negative game scripts where they have to pass the ball. So uh, he's going to get he's going to get the targets. Hopefully, he gets the catches and stats to back it up. Absolutely. All right. Next matchup is the Cowboys, who Kellen Moore was fired from last year. You would think they would have took a step back. Alex, we both picked the Cowboys in this matchup. How did we do? We both got it correct. The Cowboys won 33-13 to against the division-leading NFC East champion of last year, Philadelphia Eagles. Man, uh, this was a brutal game when it came to turnovers for the Eagles because they had three fumbles lost. One from Hertz, one from A.J. Brown, one from Devontae Smith. Those absolutely killed drives for the Eagles. and they weren't able to score really any touchdowns um, in this matchup. So if you can't score and you keep turning the ball over against a quality opponent, you're going to lose, and Dallas capitalized there. I don't think that it was an exceptional matchup from Dak or from Tony Pollard or Rico Dottle or really any of the Cowboys players on an individual basis. But as a team, I thought they, they played fairly well, and they won the turnover battle and they had the better defense and I, I thought that they played uh fairly inspired but not quite the fantasy points that we would have wanted from either of these teams completely agree but i will say that it does appear that dak is in the driver's seat for the mvp conversation i know purdy is there also but Dak, I think, has been just a little bit more impressive so far. I do think it's a two-man race at this point in the season, which is pretty crazy considering they weren't even named probably mid-season as two contenders, and I feel like they're the only two that we're looking at now in the MVP race. Would you agree or disagree with that? If we're looking at quarterbacks, which traditionally win it regardless, I would say yes. But if we're expanding it out, I, I think that Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver out of Miami, absolutely needs to be <laughs> in that same conversation. Uh, he's the only thing that I feel like makes that passing game go for Miami and keeps them in the games. And when he got hurt, as we're going to talk about in the, the next, one of the next matchups here, like they just fell apart. So I think he deserves to be in that conversation. Will a non-quarterback win? Probably not. Does CMC belong in that conversation? Oh, if CMC was still on Carolina, yes. But with Debo, with Ayuk, with Purdy, it's hard to pick CMC, and that's that's almost more impressive. But that he's doing he's the this best running him. back. He deserves, yeah. But defenses aren't keying on him. Like he he's not the guy that they're like. We absolutely have to shut this one guy down because if they do that, then there's still Debo Samuel. There's still Ayuk. There's still Kittle. So he doesn't get as much defensive attention. Whereas Tyreek is the number one threat he is on pace to break the single season receiving yardage record which is insane and he does have a little help from most he does have also help from achan but without tyreek there it seems like other teams are able to slow down the dolphins enough to beat them 
So I think he's the major difference maker. Okay. So I agree. CMC is the only one out of those three that have played every single game this year. So there is that. And he did have a touchdown in all games but one. So I feel like that streak does matter a little bit. But as far as fantasy quarterbacks go, Josh Allen is number one fantasy quarterback. So I think that has to say that he's at least in the conversation for MVP. I think that team without Josh Allen would be complete trash. Like, I wouldn't even want to see that team without Josh Allen at the helm. Number two out of fantasy quarterbacks right now is Jalen Hurts. He probably has to be in the conversation for it, but he has fallen off the last week or two. But just because he's fallen off a week or two shouldn't get him completely out of the conversation. Lamar is a guy that I would look at. too. So I guess down the stretch, there it might be a five quarterback race going in for, for the MVP. and. This week, we are we are lucky, and we're not going to go into it on this podcast, but we're lucky. We get to see Josh Allen versus Dak Prescott at the 4 o'clock hour this week. So that is really exciting for me that there's two healthy quarterbacks on those teams. The Bills win out the rest of their matchups like you're, you've been predicting them to. I think Josh Allen might very well win the MVP. All right. So we can move forward to the two Monday night games. I did like having two Monday night games the only thing i didn't like about it is we got both of them wrong but i did like watching the manning cast and they would jump back and forth between the two games i felt like watching red zone on a monday night and if anyone knows me i do love red zone and red zone exclusively because it really does help me pay attention to the games without the commercials but in the first of the two matchups the giants beat the packers and a last second come from behind victory in a game that was very it, it was tense down the stretch because Barkley had a ghost hit the football out of his hand as he was going to the ground and he like fumbled to the ground and he wasn't touched and the Packers picked it up. And I thought at that point, the Packers would win the matchup, but you know, DeVito does just enough to, to come back and win this game. Jordan love did come back down to earth in this game. And I don't know if it's the giants defense or if it's something else because the giants defense does seem like it is playing better and better and better each week. So I don't know if that's just an illusion or if it's reality at this exact point. Barkley did look good. Is there an opinion change from you, Alex, on Juan Dale Robinson? He had a really good game this week. No, I haven't changed my opinion on him. <laughs> I think any wide receiver is capable of having a decent week. He did nothing spectacular for me. I'm disappointed Jalen Hyatt didn't get more run, but I am anticipating the Giants are going to be more competitive with Darren Waller's comp- like return on the horizon. So I think that they will be more competitive. I think Tommy DeVito is the best quarterback on that roster. Uh, I think they made a huge mistake with Daniel Jones giving him the money that they did. And I think that uh, they'll try to find a way to move on from him, but he might be stuck for one more year there. The Packers, to me, I, I feel like Christian Watson was starting to be more of a focal point, and then he got hurt, pulled his hammy, and that really affected how this team plays and and game plans and his absence was sorely missed i still don't think dobbs is a a top wide receiver i don't even think he's to me a legitimate number two nfl receiver Jaden reed i'd like to see get more deep ball looks rather than being used as a rusher i don't think he's necessarily exactly a debo samuels type but I, i can see why that they want to at least get some athleticism from that group missing a healthy Aaron Jones. Uh, Dylan doesn't look like he'll ever be a legitimate RB1, in my opinion, but he did play all right. But it's funny because I I still thought Green Bay was going to win this game, but I was texting with you, Jeff, and I was like, you know, I think that the Giants might hold their own. I still think the Packers probably have the edge, but the Giants, I think, are a team that might hold their own. And they've got some uh, interesting matchups coming forward that they might upset some teams. So I think that's something to keep in mind. Neither one of these teams is making the playoffs, in my opinion. So I, I am, I'm baiting the Packers for this year, but we've talked about their young talent. I think, I think that they're going to be all right in the future and like next year. So good things for them on the horizon, but I don't, I don't think that they're a playoff team this year. All right. All right. That'll be interesting down the stretch. And we will see if they could do it. And this brings us to our last matchup, which we also got wrong in the Titans at the Dolphins. So both Mostert and Henry find the end zone twice. 
Henry did only have 34 yards, but he did get 17 carries, which if anyone knows anything about Henry, the more carries that he gets in a game, the more likely the Titans are to win. And it's kind of funny because that proved true again. <laughs> but Mostert was by far the lead back in this one. So I don't know if they're working HN into the lineup again or if Mostert has just been that good where he's going to be the lead back. But that's not saying HN is not usable or not productive because he is 100% productive and usable when he's on the field. Um, Hopkins is usable with Levis also, which is really surprising. And again, why they didn't trade him because they need to see what they have in Will Levis. And this was a early career defining win for Will Levis, in my opinion. And then Tua does look lost without Tyreek, but I know we all saw Tyreek get injured in the first quarter and he had his little Rod Tidwell uh, moment in the uh, getting up and sprinting to the sideline. And we all thought that he'd be right back in the game, but he did miss the whole first half and a little bit of the second half. And then he was in and out of the lineup after that. So TBD on his future status. Any takeaways that uh, I missed on this one, Alex? Yeah, that there are three rookie quarterbacks that are better than Bryce Young at this point in their career. <laughs> Sorry. I think some of it's situation. There. Yeah, but I didn't think that the Titans would be a very good team. I still don't think that they are. And to me, Derrick Henry is slowing down, but he's a good goal line back. Ty J Spears looks like the better running back at this point. He doesn't need multiple carries to get going. He just gets going and he does it through the air as well. So I think Ty J Spears is sooner rather than later. It's going to end up being his team. And I think that they might move on from Henry after this year. Um, for me, the dolphins look like pretenders. I don't, I don't think that they, they're not going to go very far in the playoffs at this rate. They, they can only beat bad teams and only on Sundays is uh, the, the new joke about the Dolphins. And without Tyreek Hill, they're not going to go anywhere. So if he misses a game, they they might not even make the playoffs, especially if the Bills surge and take over that spot. And I don't think Tua is the guy. I don't think Tua is a, a starting caliber quarterback in the NFL. He's certainly not the guy who's going to get them playoff wins. He just doesn't have it in him, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, there's 32 quarterbacks in the league. I do think he's one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the league. So he does deserve a starting gig. But not every quarterback can be a playoff winning quarterback, as we know and discuss quite frequently. Okay, well, I think that's all we have to say about those matchups. We will also move on. We'll have our, our next episode out following this one shortly as well. And we'll talk about week 15 and our, our updated playoff projections. But for now... That does it for this episode of the Never Too Early Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening to this episode. Please don't forget to like and subscribe. Please leave us a comment and share the show. Every little bit helps. And you can find us on all podcasting apps by searching N2E Fantasy and with our handle at N2E Fantasy on all social media platforms. Please join our community and give us a follow. Until next time, take care of yourselves. And remember, it's truly never too early for fantasy football. Thank you again. Bye, everybody.